Welcome to Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. I'm Jeff Fried, and I'm on location here in Dublin with my friend Christian Buckley, who's been on the podcast before. Welcome, Christian. It's good to be here, Jeff. And Dublin is quite a fun city, don't you think? Well, I've not seen a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's a, the, what I was telling somebody, it's like my view of Dublin is like, well, I've walked across the bridge from the hotel to the convention center several times, and it's a lovely little walk. Yes, absolutely. And it gets uh, dark early, too. We're it far, does get dark. Pretty far north. Yeah. But it's actually been, and it's been beautiful weather for this time of year, you know, end, when you're end of, uh, I guess, we're early November, it's um, it's rained a little bit, but we've had a lot of clear skies and has made some beautiful views out of the site of the convention center. Right. At the convention, the European SharePoint convention is one of my favorites. Yeah. ESPC 17. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, This is the sixth event. I've been to all six. Wow. Didn't realize that was at the first one when it was the first one. but And I actually had one of the top-rated sessions of that one. That was back when I was talking about social inside of SharePoint. Right. While no one else was talking about social. So that was, what, eight years ago, seven years ago. Always on the leading edge, then. There you go. Bleeding edge. Bleeding edge. It's been about a year since you went full-time on Collab Talk. How's it going? It's going really well. It's, uh, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I complain that I'm at home, that I'm just like, I, you know, I need, I need help on this. I need to, like everybody, any small business, I need to hire people. I'm, I'm actually in the process. I'm looking for admin help part, part time. Um, so doing that search. It's a good problem months. to have, you know, and, it, and when it doesn't you, feel good when you're in yeah. it, but yes, it is a good, good problem to have. So yeah, it's been successful. It's you know, started January 1st. So I'm almost at that one year mark. And my, my wife asked is like, you know, you seem stressed out. I'm like, it's a different stressed out though, when it, you're busy, but enjoying the stuff that you're working on versus not enjoying what you're working on stressed out. So yeah. yeah. And, um, at least from the outside, the work product and the things you're doing are very high quality and great. Um, well, thanks. I, yeah, I, I of course keep try to keep tabs on the hybrid things. Yep. And just still going, still moving forward. Yeah. And we talked about the state of hybrid the last time, but it was just before you published your first research, and you've now right. done a couple more reports. I know you had a session here about it. Um, what's What's your view of how hybrid SharePoint is developing? Well, it's interesting because the timing of that report, when I put that project together, so I had actually reached out to Dan Holm and Jeff Teeper with Microsoft and said, hey, you know, there's just there's a gap there in data around hybrid SharePoint specifically. Um, and it, would this be something that you would be interested in in funding? And Jeff Teeper immediately is like, yes, no, I know that this is a gap. Like it's been talked about, we'd love to do this. And we, so that came together, and that was so that project was part of the impetus for creating a standalone business collab talk to be able to go and do other research projects. And then the time frame for that, so the data came out in April in the report, and we had. Microsoft and some leading SIs, so uh, BNR Business Solutions and Pixel Mill um, consulting companies that were uh, you know the lead sponsors, and then a bunch of other ISVs and like Avpoint that I'm here working with and stuff that were part of that. Um, but the timing of the release of that was around the same timing of Microsoft of their broader um, new positioning around hybrid. Yeah, and yeah. which Microsoft is. You know, traditionally, it's been like you know, it hasn't been the leading voice out in that, and they they re- recognize that they need to come back and 
retool that positioning. And Julia White, who we know through the SharePoint world and Office, um, is kind of the the uh, you know the poster child on you know for the for marketing for Microsoft Hybrid. And so they had another huge global study around hybrid environments and what does hybrid look like released about the same time that we released our findings that were specifically around SharePoint. So it was great timing yeah. to, to have that out there. And the trio, by which I mean SharePoint, Exchange, and Skype for Business, have been hybrid for some time. Right. But the big news all up, the new thing, is the Azure Stack release. Right, and and, and and so that's why I, I try not to, when I go in and talk about hybrid, I, said, I, I try to talk about it in the broadest of, of descriptions, definitions of that there could be hybrid where you are on-prem, all on-prem SharePoint and business reasons for that, and yet starting to use um, uh, you know, OneDrive or maybe use Yammer as a standalone and separate. Or um, you know, some people look at it and say, well, we're, we, we have on-prem SharePoint, but we want to start using Office 365, and we have some SharePoint online as part of that, but it's very specific scenarios, all valid, so that there are these separate hybrid environments. Now, I think the the truest, you know, the way that we think when we describe this is where you have um, SharePoint that has some assets that are on-prem and some online, so maybe you are starting to blend or federate your environments and so that your all net new team sites, when you go and create a new team site, it's now provisioned in the cloud and that you may still have your intranet or portions of your intranet pointing back to the on-prem, but from a user interface, they have no idea whether it's on-prem or cloud unless they dig into the URL and where links are going to things. Yes, yeah, so you can but, sort of lead with the cloud with the new stuff right? and create a user experience which is modern and keeps up with Microsoft without right. disrupting everything. Well, th- and that's the kind of the point. I think Microsoft had, uh, uh, they, they kind of woke up to the fact that their messaging wasn't working. And I, I, with the, um, the the talk the last two years, they've done uh, an amazing job at uh, starting now. And it was the May the 4th event last right. year, I think, where they started using the phrasing of um, help organizations pull cloud experiences down to their on-prem environments. Right. And that was a better way. Instead of this like this push, if you're you know marketing, it's like push marketing is not as effective as pull marketing. Right. Meaning so rather than saying cloud, 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 you're going to go to the cloud and hybrid is a temporary way it's your on-ramp right I, I do think the maturity of this is a technique that you may want to use indefinitely right. for a variety of purposes and it's less of a sort of hard sell and less alienating it's well it's it's much more real right well and, and I think that was you know a couple things that we found in our research I mean one thing you know it's always interesting to look at what is the dollar value the size of the space and again just SharePoint, not looking at other, you know, hybrid components, but just the SharePoint um, assets and licensing. And we estimated the size just to give people an idea. It's it's currently in early 2017. Um, was at 3.2 billion dollar space. So that's big, however you look at it. Right, and that by 2020 it was growing to like 5.2 or 5.3 billion. So it's a growth of that. But um, the other one of the questions we asked was whether 
you were moving to hybrid as like a forced like you have no other choice but to go and do this uh, or, you know or is it like a transitory um, step not that you're forced but is it a transitory step on your way to the cloud right. um, versus it's a permanent strategy and I think what was the one surprising stat of the data that we captured there was how many organizations said no this is our this is our plan we do not have a plan to not currently yeah. to not have an on-prem component therefore hybrid is our long-term strategy and those kind of data points I think Microsoft didn't see wasn't looking for looking at but in the last um, uh, two years especially the last year and you see this now with the announcements around SharePoint 2019 is that one of the highlights that they're focusing on is the fact that more hybrid capabilities enabling organizations to make it easier for them to have hybrid solutions. Okay. And so that's part of their planning. I mean, they're, they're actually thinking about features and how it works in those hybrid scenarios, which is fantastic. Yeah. I'm certainly from the being insight perspective uh, as search specialists, we're seeing a big uptick in cloud hybrid search. Mm -hmm. I, I had two sessions actually this week, one at SP TechCon, one here at ESPC on cloud hybrid search. Both were well attended and people are no longer just sort of trying to figure out what their strategy is, they're really implementing. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting. And my, so my session, my last session here was around groups and teams and conversations of service. I know with a 60-minute session, too, and somebody's going to provide feedback, but like, you didn't really get much into the conversations of service part of that, yeah. Kind of ran, ran out of time, and, and there are some good questions. It was great to have audience participation. Right. But is the, from a search standpoint, is I was made the point, I'd like to get your thoughts on the comments that I made about the goal is for all of these workloads, Microsoft Teams, SharePoint, Yammer, Exchange, no matter what the workload, the product is, the idea is that all of the documents, all of the conversations, any artifact automated or manually input into these user experiences will be uh, tied to or the data go into the graph and accessible through the graph. Right. And what that then does is from a search standpoint, from a pulling intelligence out of automation, business intelligence, out of all these technologies, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. It all comes down to the importance of search, the end of that. Because when I'm, so there's the whole, part of what I try to address is this whole which tool to use when. Right. I don't like that question, but it's valid only because today you have to think about how the artifacts from each of the workloads are being captured. And it's not all in the graph. It's not all consistent. There's different locations for different things. Right. Um, and to manage that. And that makes a more complex search experience. Once they're all going into the graph. So there's several areas where Microsoft is doing things in quick and not necessarily completely coherent ways. Right. You talked about when, which tool to use specifically in the sort of Teams, Yammer, uh, team sites, the area that is all loosely tied together with groups. Right. Which I'd love to talk more about. Yeah. And in search, um, for sure, we, I see this tension between each new service wanting to 
have good findability within it, mm-hmm. and also wanting to play as a good citizen in the all-up graph experience. Right. And there's a splintering of different search experiences, which is confusing people. And they went and just created that new Office... Office.com experience, yeah. I was like, why would you not modify one of the four other search experiences out there? Well, actually, count nine search experiences, not counting exchange. And I have a betting pool for... We need ten. At next Ignite, how many will there be? Yeah, Uh, seriously. So I'll I'll send you that pool and you can uh, place your chips. (laughs) But um, that's very, very confusing. But it's also, if you take a step back and say, the goal is not to have one search experience for everything. Right. You need tailoring it to where you are makes sense. Of course. If you're on a hub site, it makes sense. So it's not a problem by itself that there are multiple experiences. It's a problem when the, as you say, the artifacts aren't discoverable or can't be found in e-discovery, can't be tracked. That's where I would say that when you're talking about those kinds of, even from a legal standpoint, if I can't from a compliance standpoint, as a compliance officer, be able to go in and find the data that I need, um, I don't have the right permissions, but across these different environments, like, you know, what is, where does, what does that experience look like? There are needs to be able to go and look across, but I... But I would even argue, I, I understand having the separate search experiences and that with like the whole refiner's concept of it being intelligent about where I am within the environment to auto-apply refiners that says, okay, well, you're over in this subset of an area. If you're doing a search, you're likely going to be looking for something within that subset and we can improve the performance of the search by modifying that. I get all that. But then I think of if I'm... You know, and I have part of one of the presentations I do around Microsoft 365 and tying this all things together. There is also a valid scenario where I'm on my desktop, hooked up to the internet, permissions within all these different workloads, and I go and perform a search. I want that search to find the things that are local on my desktop, yep. that are in the SharePoint environments, team sites, Yammer groups, all of that, as well as accessed via conversations happening in my professional network in LinkedIn. Yep. I want all of those things and public internet results coming back if relevant. And probably things that. from non-Microsoft systems too. Correct. I want all of those things you know, coming back and then be able to do something with that. I just want to make sure that it's being accessed. Because one of the frustrating things, too, is that when you go in looking for the answers to something, it's like, well, it's not in the encyclopedia, therefore there's no answer for it. No, it's no answer in that encyclopedia. Right. But you don't know what you don't know. And so having access to more data, you just need better refiners and access. Talk about a little bit about what you're seeing with teams. This is the, yeah. probably the the fastest moving uh, target, and I yeah, know well, you've been I know there's spending a lot of, a lot of there's a lot that. of market uh, marketing around that too. And I don't know like the data, like how because I mean, SharePoint was the fastest selling Microsoft product in history. Then Office 365 came out, and, and they said, well, it's, it was faster than SharePoint. I said, yeah, but Office 365 is not really a product it's has SharePoint and Exchange and things in right. it so it's not really you know one it's one. a bundle I don't know how I don't so it's a yeah skew I don't know how um, uh, how teams is performing from that perspective but it what resonates to me uh, about teams and what makes it different is that it is so it has the chat capability of course which is I'm a social collaboration guy that's critical that we have you know, that capability 
But the whole contextual collaboration concept I've been saying for years and talked about social as being that connecting fabric. Well, now you have the chat on the side, all the tabs, so you can have whatever relevant SharePoint sites, Yammer groups, third-party tools, whatever it is, YouTube videos, Excel spreadsheets, a PDF, all in these tabs in context to that channel, that project that I'm working on. So if I'm like talking with you now, and we're like, like Jeff, let's go look at Project XYZ. We go over to the channel for Project XYZ. Everything we possibly need for that project is there. Yeah, is accessible. Like that's a pretty powerful story that is compelling to me. I'm excited about. And, and there's a lot of extensibility. Uh-huh. A, a lot of the announcements at Ignite were around that. There's where you hook in bots. Right. There's a lot of a lot of cool things. A lot of cool things. Do you think that um, Teams really is shaping up to be a quote unquote Slack killer? Uh, definitely, it has some. I, look, there's gaps. Let's be realistic about you know the the problems that it still has. I mean, I I can't just go and buy email, invite anybody that I want in there. But mm-hmm. of course, it's also they're building an enterprise grade you know, and secure and kind of all the other things. But the fact that it has, you know, natively has the links to those other systems, the things that are, you know, auto provisioned, provisioning of, you know, the other workloads that are part of that, that Slack doesn't have. It has deeper integration of third party tools. Um, And so all of that needs to happen for it to really be a Slack killer. However, for those organizations that are in the Microsoft ecosystem and have SharePoint, that have, you know, or that use Yammer or that, you know, and want to be able to leverage those assets, then it, you know, I'm talking with um, uh, Jeremy Thake at Hyperfish, and he says they're really just waiting for some key out-of-the-box integrations to be there, these other apps that they rely on, and then they're going to make the switch. And it's just their business runs on certain apps. As soon as those apps are supported, they'll move it over. So I think that's the next barrier for Microsoft. There's a few capability things, but I think it's getting those other key mainstream apps over there, those integrations with bots and connectors, and then it's just going to be floodgate. Why would I want to go to an outside tool to do all those things where I can do SharePoint Exchange, the Office Suite, all of those, and do everything Slack does in one place? Cool. So do you have any advice for listeners when it comes to uh, how they should approach teams? Should they jump in with both feet now? Yeah, I, I do. Um, actually, I did a great interview over with um, Dyson today at the UK and huge multi-geographic uh, you know, company, multinational. And um, they, they have, I think, seven or nine pilots with teams happening right now. Yeah. What they did is they knew it was short-term. They went and said, hey, we have a subset of like 50 users. They said, um, gave them provisioning capability, go and create teams, let's see how this shakes out, how do people use it. And from that, they, they went through that first phase, they found like all of these different teams that were set up and they had some of the same problems where it was proliferating the number of teams and channels and then they were saying, well, I don't know where stuff is because I'm jumping between these different groups. And they came, they assessed all of that. The feedback from that initial pilot was that they came up with two different core teams Mm -hmm. and the channels within that and now they're doing, as I said, seven or nine pilots using the best practices that they learned from their culture and doing that next test and so they're doing multiple layers of pilots 
trialing that, taking the feedback, rolling it back, and developing, and then organically growing that, expanding that out. So it really is sort of becoming a best practice Correct. locally. That and meets the needs of the unique needs of the culture and their work habits. It sounds like you see that as a good practice globally. I yeah, look. I know it's a lot to go and manage. It's easier just to say that you will all now use this technology and roll it out, and that has never worked. Yeah. And we saw that like SharePoint, when you treat a technology as a hammer, and every problem looks like a nail, then. You know, a lot of people get, there's a lot of bent nails. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But, um, you know, and, and so by, by doing that organically and pilot, 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 and then learn from that and then grow it as it makes sense. I'm also a big fan of um, let the end users drive that process because there are some initiatives, some organizations that say, they come back and say, the way that we're using SharePoint, that's, that's what we need. We don't need to go use this other thing. It sort of comes back to the pull not push. Correct. And that's why that story of, well, if we know eventually that all this data is accessible via the graph, and then we figure out what's the right search experience for that, but that it's all being collected, um, that it shouldn't matter if collaboration is happening via you know, email, via Teams, via Yammer, via SharePoint, whatever it is, because eventually, from a compliance auditing uh, and, and, you know, security standpoint, like we can get to the data that we need to for those business reasons. Um, that it's just important for people to understand. That's where it's going. Whatever that search experience is, the way of surfacing content may be different. Um, but as long as we know that it's all going towards that back end and then being properly handled and managed through those workloads, it shouldn't matter what the front end looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we certainly live in exciting times. A lot going on. And it's uh, cool to see you doing so well with Collab Talk. Yeah, thanks. And uh, look forward to talking with you more. And is there anything you want to point out before we close this? Yeah, I'd say that I've actually got a refresh on the website going live here in the next couple of weeks, but collabtalk.com. And uh, and then the big thing, is, as you know, I, so you know, the hybrid research was one project. I have four that are happening right now. Um, I'm going to do some more in the spring. So if there's organizations that are looking for unique um, uh, data and talking points, these are independent research projects. I use graduate students, and I partner with the Marriott School at Brigham Young University. And so I am able to, on the fly, put together research teams around targeted topics. Um, I would love to uh, hear from companies. You can again go to collabtalk.com and the contact form and... Um, I'm already talking with two companies about January kicking off new research projects. So uh, I'm hoping to, uh, while I love talking product and going to all these different events and stuff, yeah, I really like the, uh, you know, to, to go in and do a deep dive and answer like one or two core questions on a problem and then go and look at it from different angles and talk to people. And it's, it's collaboration, Jeff, you know, like yeah. go and get people, all this feedback and look at different perspectives. I mean, I just find that personally, like, really fulfilling to go and do deep and answer these questions. It's not that we then come up with, like, the answer for things, but to to have that kind of philosophical look at these these technology problems, because I'm a Microsoft ecosystem technology guy, right. um, but beyond SharePoint, that's a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm really uh, looking to expand that side of uh, Collab Talk in uh, 2018. That's great. Well, we'll put in uh, some links in the show notes. 
and it's always great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Jeff. It was great seeing you here in Dublin. I know we could both have fun looking around the city tomorrow. I will. And uh, on behalf of BA Insight, this has been Jeff Freed with Shared Insights, the podcast from BA Insight. Thank you.